And the Lord taught his church to pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses. As we forgive those who've trespassed against us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And uh, we appreciate uh, Chris and the worship team and all those who participated today. Would you give a great big God bless you to all of them? Let them know how much you appreciate them. What a wonderful job they've done. Amen. Would you give me a few moments tonight as we look at part two, part two of this morning? How many remembers the title that I spoke of this morning or the sermon that I spoke of this morning? What is it? I just can't get over this. So let us look to the word of God this morning, or this morning. <laughs> Let's look to the word of God tonight and uh, I want to say as we turn to our Bibles to the book of St. John, we're going to go to chapter 21 in just a moment. And this is part two of I Just Can't Get Over This. And uh, we're going to look at some, uh, some things that we can glean from the story tonight. I want to say thank you for all those who participated this afternoon. We had a large show of volunteers this afternoon. And we did minister to a lot of families I know three or four families were in church this morning, and then we had families that came. We still have a lot left over, especially the coats, but that's okay because we have a Christmas outreach that's coming at Christmas time, and so perfectly fine. And I think we're going to whatever's left of the school stuff. We know we gave a lot away today, but whatever's left, I think they're going to send it to the school and let them know that Christ Point loves them if they don't have any supplies. So your gift still keeps giving, all right? Can I hear an amen? So how many enjoyed that outreach today? Wasn't it a great job? Thank you for your service. Amen. Thank you so much, and thank you for coming tonight. And uh, thank you so very, very much. And, and as we get into the Word of God, I just want to uh, say this. Uh, I appreciate all of you. Appreciate your hard work and dedication. And I was just thinking today how much I appreciate Sister Raylene. Sister Raylene, I love you and appreciate you so very, very much. Would you just stand to honor Sister Raylene? She's one of our ch oldest church members, the longest attending. And I want to let you know we love you. Amen. Love you, Sister Raylene, very much. And we pray for Grandma Beaver. If her family is watching, I know that some of her family is watching. We want Grandma Beaver to know we love you. We appreciate you, Grandma Beaver. We miss you and we pray prayers over you for continued healing. All right. How many is ready for the word? Now, I know we've had a long day today. But I want you to know that I've had a long day too. And so I'm up here preaching. And so if I'm up here preaching, I want you to pay attention. Can I, can I hear, can, can you pay attention? That means let's not be on your phone if you're not taking notes. So let's pay, pay attention. Look up here, everyone. All right. If you have kids, that's perfectly fine. Kids ain't going to bother me. All right. I'm glad kids are in the house of God tonight. Amen. Can I hear an Amen. Crying kids don't bother me. Crying kids don't bother me. I'm glad, they're, I'm glad that we have a church full of kids on Sunday night. Isn't that wonderful? But as adults, I want you to be the example to our children. Be an example to people. And let's tune into the Word of God because whatever you put in, you also get out. All right? So thank you so very, very much for your understanding. We're going to look at part two. I just can't get 
over this. I just can't get over this. Part two. If you'll notice, last week I did a part one, part two, and tonight I'm going to do a, uh, did a part one this morning, and I'm going to do a part two. I can't get over this. And all of God's church said, Amen. Lord, add the blessing to the preaching of the Word of God. And everything that's said and everything that's done brings you the glory. And everyone said, Amen. I just can't get over this. The twelve disciples are probably a prime example of people who follow Jesus, but in their journey of following Jesus, they failed. In their journey of pursuing Jesus, they stumbled. In their journey of loving Jesus, they messed up. In their journey of running after Jesus, they fell down. I love that because that's a picture of you and I tonight. You can love Jesus. You can run after Jesus. You can pursue after Jesus. And yet you can still stumble. You can still fail. And you can still fall down. But one of the greatest things about the Bible is it is a story of redemption. And it tells us tonight that even if we do fall in the midst of our running towards Jesus, and we do stumble as we pursue Jesus, there is grace to uplift us. And there's grace to sustain us. And there's grace to push us on. And I'm so glad for that. The disciples are perfect examples of people who thought to themselves, I can't get over this. Peter is a prime example. He is one of the twelve. And yet Peter failed the Lord many times. Judas is one of the twelve. He also failed the Lord. There's a difference between a bad day and a bad heart. Judas had a bad heart while Peter had a bad day. Peter truly repented with godly sorrow. But Judas repented with worldly sorrow. And my friends, true repentance, true sorrow always leads to life. It leads to change. But worldly repentance leads to death. You're sorry you got caught, but there's no change in your life. Peter was sorry he got caught. He felt guilty and shameful. But yet in the midst of that, he truly repented and changed his life. While Judas repented with a worldly sorrow, but he never changed. As a matter of fact, he couldn't get over it. So he took his own life. And so you got to make a decision if you can't get over something. If you're struggling with something and you seem like you can't get over it, you've got to make a decision. Do I press through like Peter? Or do I just think to myself, there's no hope. There's no redemption for my life. And because of that, Judas took his own life. And we are reminded here in this story tonight with uh, Peter. Peter's a prime example of somebody that had godly sorrow who truly repented. He accepted the fact that he messed up, but he also took ownership and responsibility for his behavior and he struggled towards Jesus. While Judas understood he messed up, but never really took responsibility for his actions and he never changed. Two examples of people who were sorry. Two examples of people who showed some sort of emotions. 
but one truly repented while the other one had a pity party and became the victim and in the end took his life. I'm a, I'm a firm believer you cannot have a pity party and be victorious. You can either be pitiful or powerful, but you can't be both. And Peter was a powerful man because he took responsibility for his actions. He owned up to it. He struggled towards Jesus and he changed. While Judas understood he messed up, he never struggled towards Jesus. He struggled away from Jesus. And in the end, his life ended up in destruction. And here Peter, here's a man of faults and failures. Here's a man that almost couldn't get over it. Here is a man that struggled so much he almost couldn't get over it. And I want to share something with you as we go on this journey tonight. Because I'm excited to share the Word of God with you because I believe it is life to your flesh, life to your bones. It has the potential to be transformative in your life if your heart is receptive. If the soil of your life and the soil of your heart is, is pliable, you have the potential to change tonight and to grow and to progress in the kingdom of God. And tonight, Peter is a prime example of a man who almost couldn't get over it. In matter of fact, Peter almost couldn't get over it because we see something. We see a principle in John chapter number 21, verse number 3, right after Peter denies the Lord. Now, obviously, the context of this scripture, the Lord does meet with them. The Lord does commission them. But yet, it is understood that Peter is struggling here. Peter is having an emotional issue. He is struggling. Can you imagine walking with the Lord three and a half years and in the end, betray the Lord, deny the Lord? Of course, Peter is human. Of course, Peter is struggling with his emotions. And here we find in John chapter 21 and verse number 3, I want you to look at what Peter begins to do. John 21 verse number 3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Now this is after the resurrection. This is after, this is after the miracles of Jesus. Jesus has already died. He's already been resurrected. Peter had already denied the Lord. And this, we come to John, St. John chapter 21 and verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. I want you to look at verse number three here and look what Simon Peter said. Simon Peter said, I am going fishing. Now in the Greek, it means this, I am going back to fishing. In other words, Peter is saying this, I am going to go back to my former profession. I'm going to go back to what I used to do. I'm going to go back to what I'm comfortable in doing. Peter is a prime example of a man who almost couldn't get over it. He's a man that almost couldn't get over his struggle. He's a man who almost couldn't get over what he did to Jesus. Peter was a man who had godly sorrow that led to life, while Judas had worldly sorrow and led to death. And here, Peter said within himself, he said to the others, I am going back to fishing. Now you know in the book of Matthew, around Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, when he calls Peter, he, was, he called Peter while he was fishing. Peter was a fisherman. That was his trade. And here in Scripture tonight, Peter makes a statement, I'm going back to what I'm comfortable in. I'm going back to what I'm comfortable. I'm going back to my old profession. Listen to me, church, tonight. And listen to me very carefully. 
When you feel as though you are a failure, and when you feel as though you can't make it, and when you almost can't get over something, you will revert back to what makes you comfortable. Failure will make you revert back to what is comfortable. Listen to Pastor Josh. When you have feelings of shame, and you have feelings of guilt, and you have feelings of despair, and you feel as though you are a failure and there is no hope for your life, and you feel like you've betrayed the Lord, the very first thing that you want to do is go back to what made you comfortable. And that's what Peter did. Peter said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to my old life. I'm going to go back to my old life. I'm going to go back to my old profession. I'm going to go back to what I'm comfortable in. And my friends, that's the plan of the enemy. That's what the enemy wants to tell you tonight, that your life is no longer worth living. You have failed the Lord. You've messed up so much. You should go back to your old life. Go back to your old friends. Go back to your old profession. Go back to what you used to do because that is where you will find comfort. And listen, when you feel comfortable, you feel secure. But listen, there is no security in the world. There is no security in sin. There is no security in the things of this world. Their only true security is found in Jesus Christ. Is there anybody online tonight and in this building, you've made up your decision. You ain't going back. You're not going back to what used to make you comfortable. You're not going back to fishing. You're going to go on with the Lord. When I was growing up in church, they used to sing those old songs. You know, that old song, I'm on my way to Canaan's land. Oh, I remember as a child sitting on the front seat singing those old songs. And they sung that song. That, that song used to go like this. If mama don't go, I'm going. If daddy don't go, I'm going. Now, they got to the third verse and it said, if the preacher don't go, I'm going. I could never imagine my pastor not going. But anyway, we would sing it anyway. And that's what the Spirit of the Lord is telling you tonight. I refuse to go back to what made me comfortable. I'm not going back to my fishing trade. I am all wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in the Lord, and I'm going forward. Even if somebody got to push me across the finish line, I'm going forward. I wish there was about 10 people to raise your hands tonight and say, I am going forward. I'm not going back to what makes me comfortable. Failure will take you back to what is comfortable. Failure will take you back to old relationships. Failure will take you back to old jobs, old ideas. Failure will make you go back to what is comfortable because when you feel like a failure, you feel vulnerable and you need security in your life. And the only thing you find security in is the things that made you comfortable. But the Lord is saying tonight, I have not called you, destined you, and prepared you to be comfortable. I've called you to be a man of God and a woman of God. I've called you to live outside the box. I've called you to raise up the standard. I've called you to do something new. I've called you to be a leader tonight. Hallelujah. I can't go back because failure always takes me back to what is comfortable. Number two, when you feel as though when you feel as though you can't get over it. It's kind of like Peter. Peter had a hard time getting over it. And I'm sure you would too. Here's a man that walked with you for three and a half years. Here's a man who walked in perfect love. A man who healed the sick and raised the dead. A man who fed the multitudes. A man who was a true pastor and a true shepherd to his people. A man who taught his disciples to pray and to heal the sick. A man who walked in endless love and compassion. And in the end, you betrayed Him. 
I'm sure Peter felt as though he couldn't get over it. He wanted to go back to his old life. But here, I want you to see that number two, failure cannot kill his presence. Failure makes you want to go back to what is comfortable. But number two, principle two, is failure can never kill his presence. Failure can never kill his presence. No matter what failure you have experienced in your life, it cannot kill the presence of God in your life. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I make my abode in the highest heavens, you are there. No matter where I go, you are there. David said, I was old, I was young, and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. David had a testimony that he was with me in the hard times. He's with me in the good times. He's with me when I'm up. He's with me when I'm down. And no matter what I do, it doesn't change his character. Have you ever met somebody that their character is always changed because of what you do? If you don't tell them a thank you, they don't give. If you don't hug them, they ain't going to love you back because their character is negotiable. I want to inform you tonight that we serve a God that His character is not moved by your actions. His character is not negotiable. His character is unchangeable, unmovable. Hallelujah. Infinite. His character is endless. His character is everlasting to everlasting. He is God and there is no change in Him. He is El Shaddai. He is El Rapha. He is El Salon. Can I hear an amen? He is all, he's all sufficient and you can't change Him. His character is not negotiable. You can't change it. His presence is always with us, even in our failure. Now, it's important that you listen to me tonight. Because I want to share with you a principle that I hadn't always seen before. But as I was studying the Scriptures, I saw a principle that I believe is liberating to you concerning principle number two, that failure can never kill the presence of the Lord. When you feel as though you can't get over something, sometimes failure, number one, will cause you to go back to things that are comfortable. Like Peter, who said, I'm going to go back to fishing because I failed the Lord. I'm not worthy to be His spokesman. Number two, failure. Principle number two, failure can never kill the presence of the Lord. Now I'm going to read some Scriptures very fast. The Scriptures will be behind me. And I want you to see a common thread. I want you to pay attention and see a common thread throughout these Scriptures. John chapter 20 and verse number 17. John chapter 20 and verse number 17. This is Mary Magdalene seeing the risen Lord for the first time. Look at verse number 17. Verse number 17. Well, let's go back up. Verse number, let's look at verse number uh, 13. I'm sorry there. Verse number 13. John chapter 20, beginning with verse number 13. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid Him. So she's speaking to the angels here. This is Easter Sunday morning, verse 14. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, please tell me where you've laid him, and I will come and take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned around and said, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. 
But I go, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that she had spoken the, and these things were spoken to her. So do you see here? Mary had an experience with the Lord and she didn't know that it was the Lord. Okay, number one, don't lose me. Number two, look at this scripture. John chapter 20 and verse 19. John chapter 20, verse 19. The same day in the evening, beginning the first day of the week when the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and He said, Peace be with you. And when He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side and the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. So, example number two. Mary Magdalene sees the Lord. And she doesn't recognize it was the Lord. Number two, the disciples were fearful. Shut up in a room and Jesus appears. And it took them a few minutes to recognize it was the Lord because He had to show them His scars. That's example two. Don't lose me. Example three. I'll have four examples here. Example number three. Luke chapter number 24. Luke chapter number 24. Luke chapter number 24 verse 13. Luke 24 and verse number 13. Look at this scripture and I quote, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And when they talked together of all these things that had happened, so it was, so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained that they did not know Him. And Jesus said, what kind of conversation are you having with one another that you walk and you are sad? So, example number one, Mary Magdalene saw the Lord in the garden but didn't know it was the Lord. The disciples were shut up in a room being fearful and the Lord shows up and they didn't really know it was the Lord until He shows His scars to them. Number three, these two men on the road to Emmaus is walking and the Lord appears but they didn't know it was the Lord. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Luke 24, verse 36. Now, as these things were said, Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be to you. And they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? Arise in your hearts. Look at My hands and My feet. For it is I Myself. Handle Me and see that for it is a spirit that does not have flesh and bones as I have. And when He had said this, He showed them His hands and His feet. And while some of them did not believe for joy and marveled, He said to them, Have you any food? And so he gave them a piece of boiled fish and some honeycomb and he took it and ate it in their presence. What am I saying? Number one, number one, failure will cause you to go back to what is comfortable. When you feel as though you can't get over something, failure will give you the impression that you need to go back to what is comfortable. Peter said, I should just go back to fishing. I should just give it up. I failed the Lord. I'm just going to go back to my former life. Number two, failure does not kill the presence of the Lord. And in all four examples that I just read to you, all four examples, either the person or the group of people didn't know that it was the Lord that was among them. And in all cases, these people felt afraid. 
In all four cases, these people felt some sort of disbelief. In all four cases, these people were terrified. In all four cases, these people had doubt. But let me tell you something, church. Your doubt don't kill the presence of the Lord. Your frustration don't kill the presence of the Lord. Your questions don't kill the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you. I just wish I had 20 people that can raise your hand and say, Pastor, I've doubted a lot of times, but I'm thankful it don't kill the presence of the Lord. It doesn't kill the presence of the Lord. Mary Magdalene was frightened. Where have you put my Lord? She doubted. She couldn't even see the Lord. And can I stop and push the envelope and say this? Even your, even your heart that don't sense the presence of the Lord and that don't sense that the Lord is there does not negate that you have killed the presence of the Lord. Just because you don't feel it or you see it or you have doubt it doesn't affect the presence of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? And in all four cases, they all had to be obedient. In all four cases, there was some sort of obedience. Touch my hands. Get me some fish. I'm going to eat it in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to prove to you who I am. Jesus required some sort of obedience in all four examples. Listen, number one, I want to remind you that fear, I want to remind you that Fear and failure does not kill the presence of the Lord. I want to remind you that fear and failure will make you feel like you need to go back to what is comfortable. But you don't need to go back to what is comfortable. In John chapter 21, verse number 4, John chapter, 20, John chapter 21, verse number 4, I'm almost done. John chapter 21, I want you to see this scripture tonight. John chapter 21 and verse number 4. I want you to see this scripture. John 21 verse number 4. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Here is a fifth example. A fifth example where the disciples did not know the Lord. But I'm so glad that even in this example, the Lord, the Lord was eager to demonstrate His presence to Him. And there is times in my life, ladies and gentlemen, that I look back and now I see the presence of the Lord in my life. I see God working in my life, but at that present moment, I wasn't aware that the Lord was there. I wasn't aware that the Lord was working in my life. And I am so glad that the Lord didn't stop working because I didn't recognize He was working. Hallelujah. I'm so glad the Lord didn't stop working because I didn't recognize that He was there. I'm so glad that God still works even when I don't recognize He's still working. Woo. Hallelujah. I'm glad He still works even when I don't recognize He's working. And can I stop and prophesy to some of you? I prophesy to you that God is working even when you don't see that He's working. He's working in your life. All four examples, we find God working, and they didn't even recognize it. They didn't even see it. But I'm glad God don't stop working because I don't see it, because I don't recognize it. I'm glad He still works. And what does the Bible say, verse number 5? Then Jesus said, children, do you have any food? Verse 5, John 21, verse 5. 
You see, in all five examples, Jesus requires obedience. You have any food? And he said to them, and they said no. And he said to them, well, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And so they cast now and they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Now, I'm, I'm trying to contain my excitement. The miracle happened even when they didn't even recognize it was Jesus. Did y'all get that? The miracle happened even when they didn't recognize it was Jesus. So that tells me I don't have to have everything right in my life for a miracle to happen. I don't have to have everything right for God to move. Oh, hallelujah. I know this is a Sunday night and some of you are tired, but some of you should raise your hand and say, I'm about to get my shout on because I know God's getting ready to move up in my life even when I know everything's not all right. God moved even when they didn't even recognize it was Him. He still moved. Lastly, failure will make you want to go back to what is comfortable. You want to go back to fishing. Number two, failure cannot kill the presence of God. Failure to recognize the Lord will not negate the fact that He can still work in your life. And number three, failure cannot kill the call of God on your life. Failure cannot kill the call of God on your life. Remember Peter? Church, if you can't get over it, you can either be a Peter or you can be a Judas. Judas had worldly sorrow and it led to death. But Peter had a bad day. He didn't have a bad heart. He repented, owned up to it, and struggled towards Jesus. And here, failure. The failure in Peter's life did not kill the call of God on his life. John chapter 21 and verse number 15. John 21 verse number 15. Listen to this. And so John 15, excuse me, John 21 verse 15. And so when he had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, son son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you, Lord. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, well, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things and you know I love you. Jesus said to him, well, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and, and you will gird and you will gird you and carry that you do not wish. And then he said, signifying by his death that he would be glorified. And when he had spoken these things, he said to him, follow me. Failure can't kill the call of God on your life. You see, Peter messed up. Peter wanted to go back to fishing. 
didn't he? John 21, verse 3, in the same chapter, Peter's like, you know what I'm going to do? Forget about all this. John 21, verse 3, I'm just going to go back to fishing. It ain't worth it anymore. I'm going to go back to what is comfortable. But at the end of the chapter, Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, do you love me more than your fishing? Do you love me more than your old profession, Peter? Do you love me more than all of that? Peter's like, Lord, I love you. I love you. And you see what Jesus was doing? Jesus is saying, Peter, listen, you got to get back to what I called you to do. I didn't call you just to fish and to be a fisherman. I called you to win souls. I called you to be a pastor. I called you to feed my people. I've called you to be a man of God. I've called you to be an evangelist. I've called you to feed my church. You were created more than just to be a fisherman on a boat. You were created to feed my people and my calling hasn't left Peter because you messed up. I'm telling you again Peter, it's not going to leave you because you messed up. I'm telling you again, you're more qualified today than you've ever been. Feed my sheep, Peter. Don't go back to what you used to do. Tend to my sheep. Feed my sheep. It was there that Jesus restored Peter. And you know how Jesus restored him? Jesus restored Peter by reaffirming that he was called even though there was failure in his life. And if you want to restore people in the church, reaffirm their gifts and their callings in spite of the failure in their life. Hallelujah! If you want to be the hands, if you want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, then reaffirm that you're still called, you're still anointed, you're still appointed, even though you have messed up, even though there's waste in your life, His call and His gifts are without repentance is still upon your life. There is an undoable mark on your life. It's not going to leave you. In spite of what you do, the call of God still remains. Feed my sheep. Feed. Sheep. I don't know about you, but what do you do when you can't get over it? What do you do when you can't get over it? I think I'm going to follow the example of Peter. I'm not going to go back to what used to make me comfortable. I'm going to realize that failure doesn't kill his presence even when I don't recognize it. It still doesn't kill it. Number three, that failure can't kill the call of God on my life. 